0: Well, if we haven't met, my name is Pete. I'm one of the elders here at Fort Front Church. I invite you to open up your Bibles to Jonah chapter 2. It's where we'll be swimming around in today. Uh-huh, you saw what I did there. Before we get started, though, I do have a question. Has anyone here ever felt claustrophobic? Get a little panicking around tight spaces? Some of you? Yeah, you know, my father-in-law, he gets a little weirded out when it comes to elevators. And you know, DNA is a funny thing, because now my son, well, he gets a little weirded out when it comes to elevators. Thank you for that one, Papa. But for me, for me, it's this here. This here. This uh, capsule, oh, death, it's coming along. It's called the Wooftail Waterslide down in Colorado Springs. Yeah, you could tell by his face. <laughs> you step into this chamber. The door closes around you. And inside is the sound of a heartbeat going on. Boom, 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 boom. After a short countdown, the floor drops from underneath you. You drop and go zipping around the rest of the wolf tail. Now, I was nervous. But I didn't know I was afraid until, like, the ride attendant is there trying to coach me into going on. Get in the chamber. We'll leave the door open. You take a couple of seconds to adjust. You're right. I step in. Immediately back out. (laughs) Step in and out, in and out. Church, let me tell you. I am secure enough with who I am today to let you know I did not or will I ever (sighs) have to conquer this fear. (laughs) I know some of y'all are thinking, well, come on, Pete. It's just a water slide. Well, I'll have you know, I didn't shamefully walk all the way back down the stairs, no. I took the slide next to it. You know what it was called? The Howling Tornado. The Howling Tornado. I wrote it two times. (laughs) Hey, church, do you think Jonah was ever claustrophobic? Last week, Pastor Drew, he started our series called On the Run, and we heard the beginning chapter of the book of Jonah, We first saw ourselves in Jonah and asked ourselves about when have we not obeyed God and what we should be running to instead of running from. The story went, Jonah was supposed to go preach in Nineveh. He doesn't want to go, so he heads to Joppa, boards a ship heading to Tarshish. Wicked storm blows in. The sailors cast lots. The lot falls on Jonah. Jonah recognizes God is pursuing him, thinks God is mad at him, and therefore has sent the storm. So Jonah has to be thrown overboard. And after some reluctance, the sailors oblige him. And then cut to where we are today, Jonah chapter 2. It's a heck of a topic for a new preacher. I'm supposed to talk about the guy and the whale? However, this chapter, this prayer of Jonah's, well, it is kind of artistic. I'm kind of an artistic guy. I can appreciate that. There's been many angles to take on it. But many even question the credibility of it. But you know who gives us some credibility? His name starts with J2. Any guesses? Jesus references in Matthew chapter 12, verse 39, when he says, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except for the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, So will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus believed in the parallels from Jonah to himself. I believe in Jesus. Bing, bing, boom, cow over the moon, okay? Okay. I'm going to do things a little differently this morning. I'm going to get a little testimonial with you all. Pastor Darren, a couple months ago, put out a devotional video talking about the importance of telling our testimony that everybody has one. So I'm compelled to share some of mine with you all today. I think it's somehow fitting. Church, what I hope to convey is that through my story, and through this prayer of Jonah's, that there are some do's and do not's that can propel us to undergo the kind of heart change necessary for God to then to deliver us from our affliction. Somebody say affliction. A tight and troubled spot. In other words... My big idea is this. When it comes time for you to be spit out your whale, are you even ready to be spit out? Are you even ready to be spit out? So let's go inside the great fish together, shall we? It's a whale of a tail, and we'll have a whale of a time. (laughs) Y'all knew that was coming, didn't you? (laughs) We'll pick it up right where chapter one ended. Jonah chapter 1 to 17, and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the great fish three days and three nights. Chapter 2 now, then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven from your sight. Yet I shall look again upon your holy temple. The waters closed over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pits, O oh, Lord, my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish and vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Yes, kids, the word vomited is in the Bible. Church is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, I told a story about a physical or literal trap. Jonah finds himself in a very physical, literal trap. But what was put on my heart and what my testimony is most like is an emotional, mental trap. That is to say, have you ever felt trapped inside yourself? Follow me here. Have you ever had Long periods of time where you weren't comfortable in your own skin and found it hard to express yourself. Or had moments of sadness or depression, and therefore you felt isolated and felt trapped. Or what about had some skewed perceptions in the world and were filled with different forms of fear, and that had you feeling trapped. Or maybe you had some built-up anger that you know if you let out, you do like the irrational one or even crazy one? I pose those questions to you, so I could then answer "e," all of the above. I'm with you. Now, this may come to it as a shock to some of you, but I am, by nature, a quiet guy. I know. I know. I have lived lo- most of my life on the cusp of the whole introvert-extrovert dichotomy. And you know, that used to really bother me. But like I said about the water slide, I am secure with who I am. Well, that church, that has been a journey. And it took finding Jesus in that journey. Started out, you know, being a little timid. I felt as I was always competing with different groups of people. It was a lot of hard work just to be what I thought what normal was, and I'd be failing at it. Oh, yeah. I I played a comparison game way before social media made it cool and probably was an expert at codependency too. You tell me how to feel. I uh, stayed in some not-so-good friendships because of that and some not-so-good relationships because of that. But occasionally, a moment would break out that I would capitalize on. Kind of like the uh, alley-oop shot in basketball. Where one player tosses the ball up next to the goal and a teammate slam dunks it in. I needed social alley-oops. Like, oh snap, is quiet Pete tearing up the dance floor at the party or the club. Or is quiet Pete singing karaoke. It is when these moments were too few or far between that, I would, uh, that fear would kick in. And I felt others had expectations of me that I wasn't fulfilling. Or even worse, I had expectations of myself that I wasn't fulfilling. Then I would start to not like me so much. And that sadness and depression would kick in. Or jealousy would rear its juggle head. And that would turn into anger. And I started not liking others so much. While well, all this was happening, while I was on the run from God's pursuit of me. I started out at a Presbyterian church, but after about youth group age, I stopped going to any church for quite some time. So, how do we break out? Life well, only got into some bad stuff, that we'll talk about more in a moment. But this leads me to my first point we got to recognize the rut. Yes, there's a to be continued here. I feel there's some significance in the separation. But Jonah recognizes the rut he's in. In fact, he describes it beautifully. He even gets a little dramatic with it. Let's look at verse 2. Verse 2, I called out to the Lord out of my distress. What way to be, Jonah? I don't know how many times that I forgot pray, to pray or calling out to the Lord as a first response in moments of distress. I'd probably try to gather up more information first. Back to verse two. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried. This word Sheol here is an interesting one, especially for our Hebrew nerd back there. It means the unseen world or land of the dead. Another translation is it is about a low point as one can get. It is used in conjunction with another word from the Hebrew text called Yerad, which means to descend. Jonah went down to Joppa, went down into the heart of the ship, gets thrown overboard, goes down into the heart of the seas, and then down into the fish when he reaches Sheol. When I said I got into some bad stuff earlier, well, I started drinking at a young age, and it had progressed down, 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 until it reached a point where it had more control over me than I had control over it. The things I thought alcohol was doing for me, well, it wasn't doing for me anymore. But moving on. Verse 3, The flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Verse 4, I am driven from your sights. Recognizing the rut is that lesson we had to learn the hard way, or that hard pill to swallow, or in the whale's case, hard Jonas to swallow. Yeah, I said it. (laughs) I had to learn that all that self-pity and that self-loathing was still forms of selfishness. And selfishness takes us away from loving God and loving others. Recognizing the rut, maybe seeing that our relationship with the Lord isn't as good as it could be in these moments. And we feel like we're separated from God. We simply must plug back in. But we'll come back to that. Jonah has it a little twisted, though. It must be the weeds wrapped around his head in verse 5. Let's take a look at verse 5. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head. Man, God knows where you are. I see you, you see me. We may think we're too far gone in our affliction, and that we're hiding out in our sin. But like Jeremy Camp sings, he knows, he knows. And how far will God's mercy go? Well, it'll go as far as verse 6 says to save our rebellious prophet. Let's take a look at verse 6. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose barge closed upon me forever. Yet you brought my life up from the pit. His mercy, church. Well, it will go that far for you. Sometimes we don't want to recognize the rut. We want to stay on the struggle bus because we know what to expect from the struggle bus. We are comfortable in our discomfort which segues to the rest of my first points. So here we go. We got to recognize the rut, dot, 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 as the rescue. As I'm studying for this chapter, perhaps the greatest lesson of Jonah 2 is revealed to me that the whale is not the punishment but the passageway for God to get Jonah where he wants him to go. And that Jonah 2 is where the justice of God, because he's still a just God, amen, where the justice of God collides with the grace of God, that God may put a little drama in your life, a little disruption in your life, not to hurt you, but to change you, not to punish you, but to pursue you. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the parental discipline, as talked about in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 and 6 says, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. A wise man once told me that salvation might stink. might even smell a little fishy. So why do we think this? Well, we can point to the language that Jonah uses. Let's look back at verse 2. I called, he answered. I cried, you heard my voice. Fast forward to verse 6. I went down, you brought up my life. Notice he's in the belly present tense, yet he's using past tense terms. Jonah has a confident faith that God has and God will deliver him from his affliction. He's probably quoting the Psalms because a lot of the Psalms are about saints being delivered from their affliction. So what does it tell us? As cliche as it sounds, God has a plan for you and me. The Bible is full about God having plans for his people. Jonah may have heard about God talking to Joshua, telling him to... Be strong and courageous. Do not be fearful, for I am with you before going into Jericho. He may have heard God talking to Jeremiah, telling him, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to hurt you, while the Israelites are suffering under Babylonian rule. Or Jonah may have heard about God sending in his angel and shutting the lion's mouth and not harming Daniel. We have all hopefully heard these truths and believe in them and God's plan for us recognizing the rut as the rescue. And looking back on my story, there's very few regrets because it all has gotten me here. Jonah's story is about the sovereignty of God, but it's also about the providence of God also. How God may, may put people, places, things in your life, in your way, to direct your ways. God summoned a great fish, but he also summoned a vessel of grace, as ungraceful or as uncomfortable as it might have been. And grace is an undeserved gift by an unobligated giver. I believe that God had thought for me to grow. I'm going to separate you from the people, places, things you know in Virginia. I was pretty comfortable and struggle, but it's there, not going anywhere. I was trying to hold on to a relationship that had long been over. I was trying to hold on to youth that had long been over. And he says, I'm going to make you uncomfortable in a new place. So I believe that God, working through some friends of mine, brought me here to Colorado. It was uncomfortable because I was left to my own devices, trying to figure out public transportation, finding a job, dealing with school that I was now attending. God was like, let's see if he'll rely on me. Which, if you're trying to rely on buses outside of city limits, God trying to tell you something. <laughs> them buses ain't coming, man. Them, them buses ain't coming. <laughs> well, this brings me to my second point. We got to recognize the rut re- as the rescue. Secondly, we got to reconnect with and recommit to God. This should involve some repentance. There's been debate among scholars about whether or not Jonah was really repenting. Well, one definition of repentance is this. Repentance is a godly sorrow that causes us to turn from sin and self to God and righteousness. Paul tells the Corinthians this in, this, this in uh, 2 Corinthians 7-9. As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting, for you felt a godly grief so that you suffered no loss through us. So I think Jonah gets it half right. No, he doesn't confess to his disobedience, but he does turn away from it and turns to God. Let's look at verse 4. Then I said, I am driven from your sight, yet I shall look again upon your holy temple. And then fast forward to verse 7. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Our repentance comes in times of despair. We catch a glimpse of our sinfulness, leading us to a point of bowing the knee when we realize God is what we need. So I think Jonah gets it half right. But also something Jonah doesn't do here, I think it's worth mentioning. Jonah doesn't try bargaining with God. He doesn't say, God, you get me out of here, I will do what you wish. No. How often do we try and bargain with God? I probably said this one plenty, God, if you'll just help me out with this hangover, well, I won't party like that again. Speaking of that parental discipline earlier, I have an eight-year-old son who likes to try and bargain his way out of a punishment. Do you mean all my screen time is taking away? Because I'm still owed 15 minutes of video game time from Tuesday, I still get that, right? (laughs) All of it, all means all. In his turmoil, Jonah looks forward to getting back to church. Let's back, look back again at verse 4. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. We all had this run of a pandemic. And I know some of y'all were chomping at the bit to get back to church. Because what happens at church is you can look around and say... If he did such and such for so and so, surely he would do that for me. Or if he did whatchamacallit for what's-his-faces, well, why wouldn't he do that for us? I got back to church. I would love to say it was this one, but that's okay. I got back, and I saw those skewed perceptions and those fears dissipate. I believe that God summoned a vessel of grace for me to move, for me to get back to church and to meet somebody yes of course my Annie she's great too but I believe that God God wanted Jesus and I to get reacquainted he wanted me to hear how his son came and died for my sins in ways that stuck around this time back back to Annie for just a quick sec she really was this kind of gifted companion to help navigate this newfound interest in all things Jesus confession moment here I used to think Jesus was just a middleman. That he was unnecessary to have God in my life. I wasn't ready to be spit out. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. I finally got it though. I finally got that he's the only way, the truth, the life, and that I was a sinner in need of a savior. So a few weeks before I got married, I got rebaptized. It meant so much more for me this time around. If you're thinking about getting baptized and haven't yet, I highly recommend you take that plunge. And now, um, if you get just one of these steps right, reconnecting with and recommitting to God is the one. Not everything changes right away, but God wants to walk with us through it all. We just got to continue to put one foot in front of the other. In the coming weeks, we'll see that there's still tension between Jonah and God. We might all have a little tension between God and us, but I hey, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Reconnecting and recommitting should involve getting idols out of the way. Verse 8, Jonah says this Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. We could wonder who is Jonah talking to? Well, he could have been talking to the sailors who had idols on board the ship he was on. Scholars say he was speaking to those who would later hear and read this account. This statement could be directed to the Israelites who had all sorts of idols. And he could be directed at us who have all sorts of idols. Tim Keller says this about idols. He says that an idol is whatever you look at and say in your heart of hearts, if I have that, then I'll feel my life has meaning. Then I'll know I'll have value. I'll feel significant and secure. Sometimes we think of our idols as an easy way out to escape our traps, our ruts, our wails. I chase big moments. Here's how one of those biggest moments became an idol. My 15 minutes of fame came back in 2003 when I was featured on the reality TV show Extreme Makeover when they used to do people. Feeling that uh, maybe the way I looked had something to do with how I felt. I had some messed up teeth, they were kind of overlapping, It came with some fangs. So that made that full-blown smile a pretty rare event for me. Especially in pictures. Which if any one of you all feels this way, I've been hung up by one of part of their appearance. Well, I'd love to pray for that. Would you put that prayer request on a connection card, please? I had other stuff done, plastic surgery on my nose and chin. One of the pictures was my fashion stylist and hair stylist. This was all seemingly a good thing, right? It was a good thing. But I became obsessed on what it did come from it, some outward confidence and such. That full-blown smile started becoming less and less rare. Instead of not liking being in pictures, I was now photo-bombing. But I also became obsessed on what did not come from it. I want to turn that 15 minutes into years of fame. I loved the attention. It was like a permanent social alley-oop. I didn't want it to end, but it was ending. I call it an idol now because, well, I didn't let God in for any of it. It wasn't until years later, that I let God in, help heal the insides, make them match the outsides, then I could see the real value and real meaning into what happened to me. I could see the significance into what happened to me. But moving along, we have recognized the rut as the rescue, reconnect with and recommit to God, and lastly, if we think we're ready to be spit out our whale, we got to Raise a shout of praise. Jonah starts praying from a posture of worship. Let's look back at verse 6. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. And then forward to verse 9. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. So first, Jonah prays in his despair. And then within his prayer, he starts to worship. Well, now I'm just jealous of Jonah. Excuse me while I go moping off the tarshish. (laughs) Church, it's easy to worship after the deliverance, isn't it? It's easy to worship after the miracle has happened. But can you worship in your affliction? Can you worship... When the mailbox is filled with bills you can't exclude? Can you worship when the boss is giving you the bad review? Can you worship when the relationship is looking like one you're going to lose? And can you worship when the doctor is delivering you the bad news? Does God have enough credit with you to thank him for what he has done, what he's doing right now, and what he's getting ready to do next? Church, we're getting ready to worship again here momentarily. You're in a rut right now. Well, I hope you could take a small break away from your pain to say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 9 I will sacrifice to you. Worship is not only singing, but it's also sacrifice. It's your time, your talents, your giving. Could be your sanity if you're back there running production on Sunday mornings in the live stream. Recommitting to God is also recommitting to God's people through serving. Jonah also says, what I have vowed, I will pay. Well, Jonah's going to get ready to go off to Nineveh and preach. Old Pete is going to make his way to forefront and someday preach. And here's the culmination of Jonah's heart change. If you haven't gotten it yet, you're about to get it here now at the end of verse 9. Verse 9. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Say that again with me now. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Once you taste of salvation, you should want to sing of salvation. If you realize that your rescue came apart from your own marriage, you should unashamedly want to make this proclamation. If anyone here hasn't been saved yet, we'll put that on connection card. Let's get you saved. If you're watching online and you haven't been saved yet, put that on connection card. Let's get you saved. It is then and only then, Jonah makes this proclamation that verse 10 says, and the Lord spoke to the fish. Say that one again with me. And the Lord spoke to the fish. God can speak to your situation. No matter what it is, God can speak to it. Once we undergo the same kind of heart change that Jonah does, all it takes is the word from God or the word of God for your circumstances to start to change. I needed to hear these words. From Psalm 139, 14, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. From 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, See what the kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And then Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 7, says, if a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies be at peace with him. So what did they tell me? That I, you, we are unique children of God. We ain't got to be anything else but that. We don't have to ultimately please anyone else but him church there's freedom in that there's life brought up from the pit in that and the lord spoke to the fish and the fish vomited jonah out on the dry land so all right i opened with silly i'm gonna close with silly Does anyone ever hear get easily grossed out, have a weak gag reflex? (laughs) Sorry. Well, you know, my Annie, well, she's blessed with a hypersensitive sense sense of smell. So if one of our dogs has an accident, or perhaps even has vomited, well, let's just say she has a hard time cleaning it up. She goes in and, nope. Starts back in, and... Mm-mm. usually about the third time, well, I step in and say, "Oh, honey, let me finish the job." So I'm having this imagery. So now it's an illustration, but I'm picturing God watching us try and clean up our own mess, and we're getting easily grossed out by it. We go in and we recognize the re- as a rescue, Mm-mm. we. Reconnect with and we commit to God. Nope. And the third time we raise a shout of praise, God steps in and says, "Let me finish the job. You are spit out your well. You are clean, my child." So who's ready for lunch? <laughs> Church, I hope you got something on to today. But before I close us in prayer, y'all know I couldn't be up here not do my thing, right? If you don't, what, don't know what my thing is, well, 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 just bear with me for a moment, please. But it goes something like this. To be concluded what is deep-rooted in this prayer from the prodigal prophet, boot, booted deep into the deep blue sea, is that the same conditioning through confinement of Jonah is the same conditioning through confinement found in you and me. And that it's not about the punishment, but the pursuits. And if we consider ourselves prepped from the rescue from the mundane, then we best be prepped with the prerequisite heart change. we got to recognize our vessel of grace. To take idols off the pedestal and put God back in his rightful place. we got to put in motion a devout devotion and raise a shout of praise. For our salvation might stink, might smell a little fishy, eh? Then if we wind up on the flip side, covered in bile and regurgitated catch of the day, then it Looks like we made it. Look how far we come, my baby. Let's pray it out.